Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is Death, Door, Done. This is a multi-episode series in which this is episode three of three. Could he have used the word waking instead of bringing? Would he have been out of line with what the others heard Jesus describe death like? Nope. Let's look now at the last story and see if we can see what is hidden in plain sight and has even been the subject to an incorrect understanding of Jesus' reaction and response to Lazzie's death. John 11:32-43. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. He would have eventually, and death is and should be expected. But so why did she want him to avoid that door? Was it for Lazarus' benefit that he came back, or for hers? You can smile as you put yourself in the story if you would like. Verse 33, Therefore when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? So why did he groan? Was it because they were sad, hopelessly bound in their unbelief? I mean, did they not know who was standing before them? Why on earth did no one at this point in Jesus' ministry recognize who was standing before them? What worry or care about anything could take their hearts, minds, and emotions into distressing captivity, knowing that Jesus was who he had been telling them all along? But so I don't think he was groaning because of the passing of Lazarus, but because they had not got the revelation of who Jesus was. They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. Nope, I do not think Jesus wept because of Lazarus' death. I mean, after all, he knew he was going to wake him up from his nap. Did he not weep because the others were in sorrow and unbelief? John 11:4. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. But they didn't hear him. Back to the story. Verse 37. And some of them said, Could not this man, who opened the eyes of the blind, also have kept this man from dying? Now see, that's the same kind of thinking that they could apply to the man who was blind. Could not this man have stopped that man from being blind? Could he not have stopped Adam and Eve from eating the fruit in the garden? Can he not stop us from sinning? You see why that line of questioning makes no sense? So why couldn't they see it? Verse 38. Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Now I may be taking some creative liberty when I say that Jesus may have commanded and asked at the same time when he said, take away the stone. Might I suggest that there were two stones at play in this scene. The first was the obvious, which was the one covering the cave and the other was the one covering their hearts, which is why they could not see who was standing in their midst. I profess that their hard hearts kept them from seeing Jesus as he was, and from believing that he could do what he had already done in the past. It's like how many signs and wonders do we have to see before we believe permanently? But now notice that Jesus groaned again, after one of them questioned his ability to address Lazarus' condition. Oh, the doubt. Does Jesus groan at your response to the events that have occurred in your life, which may have required a supernatural response? 
I would say that there were only two people in peace at this funeral, Jesus and Lazarus. Everyone else chose another path. Yes, I say they chose another path. They allowed the circumstances to alter their faith and believe in what God can address. They were not operating in faith. They had no peace. Now, someone coming up on that crowd may think that they had compassion and they really loved Lazarus. And though it may have been true that they did, their weeping and unbelief did not prove that they loved Lazarus. And it didn't prove that they loved and trusted in Jesus. Fear, doubt, and unbelief is a toxicity that can drop in any one of our hearts and minds. Death is just one way that that can happen, if we allow it. If one of your kids came up to you and was crying because their 1967 SSRS Camaro had a flat tire, and it was a Friday cruise night, and they told you that all is lost because they know that you don't work on cars, and so the tire will remain flat, how would you feel? Wouldn't you groan? They know you have AAA, and yet they doubt. It's the same thing, I think I'm thinking. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Do you see Jesus touched on the root of their unbelief right there in that paragraph? That they may believe you sent me. You see, they were still struggling with that. And because of it, the devil was able to come in and create all kinds of havoc, unnecessary havoc. I suspect that if they chose another route, and it would have been cool, is if they actually did believe that they went in and prayed for Lazarus himself and that he would have gotten up. Could you imagine Jesus showing up and Lazarus is standing there, the smile that would be on his face because the people finally got it? Purpose? You see, Lazarus was used to convince people to believe Jesus and that God had sent him. And notice that Jesus was thanking God for hearing him, even though we don't know what else he prayed other than Lazarus come forth. I think it had to do with rolling away the stone. You decide. And also notice that Jesus didn't tell Lazarus to come back from the dead, but to come forth. If Jesus had a baby, I think he would have woke him up in the same way. Junior, come forth. So let's look at the benefits of death. Yes, I said benefits. A few things we leave behind and a few things we gain. We leave behind sin, lust, frustration, chaos, hatred, to see him face to face as he is. We leave behind sickness, disease, tears, pain, sorrow, to see a new heaven and a new earth. We leave behind decay, loss, depression, unfairness, to receive a new body, pure love. We leave behind injustice, cancer, AIDS, rape, child abuse, to get a new address and a new home built by God. We leave behind loneliness, being parentless, poverty, to get a new identity and to live in eternity with God. We leave behind violence, deceitful riches, covetedness, 
to have access to his throne in the new city of Jerusalem. We leave behind idolatry, rust, broken anything, taxes, so that we could live in the absence of everything contrary to the nature of God. So where are we going? Luke 23, 42-45. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth, until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. The thief was going to paradise. Death, door, done. Paradise for his son. The natural man will always respond to death in confusion and emotional chaos and the very contradiction of what it is to be an authentically born-again believer, running his race to win. Hebrews 12.1 So earlier I said it was in our ignorance of God and the scriptures. So I added some of the supporting scriptures here to help and took some liberty as I've already shared. In departing, keep in mind, when you live knowing that death is nothing more than a call to nap, you will live differently. If you are clinging to this earth and the things in this earth, then you have other issues, which is manifested in your response to death and those who are died that you know. Look at what John says in 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now these principal things are so important to have in place. Before catastrophic events designed to take us out, do nothing more than cause us to depart for a minute in order to thank so-and-so for helping in the ministry, in which we soon afterwards turn back to in compassion for the people who are of this world, that we might lead them out and back to the Father, so that they too can get to know him and listen to the great things he asks each and every one of us to do. Well, that's it for today. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still, and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.